Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Let's stand up one more time, huh? Let's stand up one more time. I know, I know. Stretch a little bit. Touch your toes there. Move your hips around a little bit. Your back. Loosen up your arms. Take a couple deep breaths. We're going to go for two hours today on the message. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. We want to do something a little bit different today, but I want to pray with you guys. And this is what we want to do. Uh, today we're going to continue in our series, More Than a Letter. Maybe you're come here and this is your first time here, you haven't been here uh, for a while, but I want to share with you a little bit of what we're doing, something a little bit different that we normally do here at Nest. We're just reading through the scriptures of First Peter and Second Peter, and we're just going through it, and it's been very, a very joyful time and a very growing time for us as we're just studying the Word. But today is a special day because, you see, I, I've learned this in my life. I've learned that, in, that God just has a way of doing things that, that you don't plan it, and then things just happen. You're like, I'm sorry, that's just the way it happened. Like, God, God just did something. So this is what's happening here. You see, what we're going to do today, um, it doesn't mean that it's only for married people. Because you're going to see that as we read the word, a lot of this stuff deals with your own life. In the Bible, all of us are considered the bride of Christ. We are, we, are, we are all responsible in our relationship to our beloved, who is Jesus Christ. How many of us can say amen? But Peter, in chapter 3, specifically in verses 1 through 7, he is speaking to wives, and then in verse 7, he is speaking to husbands. And that's what we're going to do today. So I don't want you to tune out today and say, oh, it's about wives and husbands. I'm not married. I'm not going to listen to anything they're saying today. No, you could actually grab all of this. And apply it to your lives. But the best thing that you could do is that if you have a desire to get married one day, you need to learn some things. Because marriage is difficult. Being married is not necessarily an easy thing. So what do you got to do? Some of us need to grow up and grow up quickly. So that way we could be prepared for our future spouse. Amen? Some of us need to work on things. Some of us, all these different dynamics of our own lives. So I believe that wherever you're at today... There is a beautiful word for every single one of you in your journey with Jesus. Amen? I do believe that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we love you. I thank you that your word is so true. I thank you because I know today you're going to bless people with your word. I pray that you would bless wives, future wives, husbands, future husbands. And I bless that you, that you would touch all of us as we are all your beloved. And you are our groom and we wait for your day that you take us to be with you. And, and we just praise you and we honor you. Lord, I know that we come in here and so many times there's so much distractions. There's so many things in our minds. And I just pray that there would be clarity, that there would be growth, and that you would do a mighty work in every life here. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. You may be seated. All right, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Rudy and Claudia to come up here today. And then after Rudy and Claudia, I have another special, uh, another special couple that's going to come up here. And what I did was I did something different. I grabbed two couples and I said, I want you to read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. And then I said, 
And then I just want you to speak. It has to be quick because I'm still sharing a word, but I, <laughs> but I want you just to say something. And uh, so I'm, I'm in, I, I want to hear what they have to say as they've been married now for uh, a short time, but they've been together and, and they've gone through their things. And, and I, I just want to hear what they uh, can bless us with today. So let's welcome Rudy and Claudia. And uh, bless us. Hi, uh, good morning. Sorry. <laughs> Should we read the verse? Or, all right. So we'll start off with, with the verses. That way you guys understand where, where our ideas are coming from or what we have to share. So in verses 1 through 7, it says, First uh, Peter 3, 1 to 7, it says, Wise, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy woman, women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And so when he shared and, and called us, I stopped at verse 6, and I, and, and I didn't go back to his text message. And he's like, you know, there's, there's a verse 7, Claudia said. And I was like, oh, snap, there's a word to the husbands too. <laughs> so it says... Husbands, likewise, dealt with, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and open up. Beautiful wife. So good morning, everybody. Um, so I'm going to start off by saying that marriage is a covenant. We all know that. And um, a covenant is very precious and special. Um, so when we come into a covenant, we're called to submit to one another as husband and wife. And being submitted means um, being in alignment under God and um, understanding that God gives husbands and wives certain roles. And as a wife, um, our role is to submit to our husband, but also support their leadership um, with our talents and our abilities. And a husband's role is to lead his family with love. And for me, coming from a home, from a broken home, that I didn't have that as an example, and it was not in place, I had to get into the Word of God and learn how to love my wife as the Lord loves the church. An example in our home has been made that I make sure my wife feels that she's number one. One of the ways I do that is making sure that I involve her in my decisions as career, finances, and even ministry. I value her input her wisdom and concerns because she is always thinking on how it would impact us down the road. Submission is a decision that we both make to love one another, to not honor each other, and at the end to think of the other person before our own selves. If Claude and I cannot do that in our own home, then we, can't, we will be ineffective here in this church as our first ministry is our home. And um, that's why it's so important when you're looking for a future spouse to really think about what is the most important. It's not the outwardly appearance. Yes, you know, people obviously want to be attracted to somebody else, but the most important part is number one, they need to have a relationship with the Lord that's grounded on him, for sure, for sure. You know, it doesn't like toss and turn, like he's 
fully grounded, or she, and um, also that they respect you, that they respect their family, their friends. You know, when you're in group settings, really see what type of person they are, how they react, their characteristics. So we want to be um, very, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> we just want to make sure that, you know, they really love the Lord and they have Christ-like qualities. There we go. <laughs> we laugh because in the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking alike, and I just went blank right now. So, so yeah, at, at the end, um, to the fellows mostly, but it happens to women. We, we want what the flesh wants, right? But the Lord calls us for something greater than that. He wants us to look deeper into that. He calls, he calls us to value his attributes above the physical, Things like loyalty, honesty, and faithfulness will not get old and wrinkly. Rather, it would strengthen over time. So that's all we had for today. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. That's one of my points today. It's awesome. It's really good. Hopefully you receive something from that matrimony. Amen? You know what I was, I should have done it. I was going to give you the soundtrack to... Love and marriage, love and marriage. Yeah. How many of you remember that? Not the godliest show, but amen. <laughs> don't, don't judge a brother. I'm going to ask John and Giselle to come up here. Let's give them a hand as they make their way up. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They're ready. Okay, you guys saw that, right? He gave, her, he gave her his hand. Oh, yeah, just. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> All right. We're going to reread the verse again. So it says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be hidden, person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So um, first I just want to give God the glory for, uh, yeah, it's fine, I know, I know it's still verse 7. I want to give God the glory for an amazing, um, <laughs> I got it, <laughs> I, I got it, I got it, I'm getting to it, I'm getting to it. <laughs> no, just for uh, an amazing pastor, for, uh, for giving God uh, us a, a, a wise and um, um, knowledgeable and just to cover something, a courageous for covering something so controversial, um, especially in this time. And um, so um, the last verse and um, probably, probably the most important to me right now is um, husbands likewise dwell with them in understanding, giving honor to, to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, so there is a story that um, I know my wife wants to share. So um, let's do this. <laughs> um, 
So when Patrick called us this week, we just, we were stunned. We're like, okay, what do we talk about? This is heavy. And um, we looked at each other, and what came to mind was um, in our honeymoon. It was, um, we were in Italy, we were in Venice, and Venice, there's no cars, so everything's done by boat. So we had to take a boat to the airport, but it was foggy that morning, and we almost hit a buoy on the way to the airport. The, the, the guy freaked out, turned back around, and left us in this empty lot in the dark at 5 a.m. with no taxis, nothing. We only had like five euros left. We were, I was scared. And as somebody, I, I like being in control situations. That's a problem I'm still dealing with. I'm a control freak. But not having control of what's going to happen after the outcome, I was freaking out. And um, there was this one lonely car in the middle of the lot. This black car. This black, black car. car. <laughs> Shady black car. <laughs> and he offered to take us to the airport. Now, Jonathan and I were looking at each other. We're like, what do we do? Like, this is scary. So Jonathan, in, um, in the best way he can, because um, he only knows Italian. He only knows Italian. <laughs> um, at the time, Jonathan was still learning Spanish. <laughs> so in the best way he could, he was telling the guy, like, take us to a bank. We'll get money. We'll pay you and take us to the airport. And inside, I am freaking out because I had trust issues. I got married with trust issues. I trusted him, but it's still that part of me that had that wall up. And in that whole situation, seeing him handle it, he had everything like calculated in his head and he's like, look, if this guy leaves with our luggage at the, at the bank, so be it, we'll make it. You know, he was so confident about it. That wall of distrust started just coming down in that very moment. And I'm like, God, you know, you're awesome because I didn't even notice that was still part of me. Like, you know, you're getting married. You go to marriage classes. You know, you're, this is the guy you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And I still had some trust issues. And I promise you, after that situation, I'm like, God, thank you. Like, you really knew what you were doing when you paired us. Because he, prom it was, it was, it's like, um, I can't remember the word right now, <laughs> but it's, it's a tag team. It's not one person more than the other. It is, we're going to back each other up in whatever circumstance that we're going through and anything that we're going through. And in that day, I learned to trust them, like really trust them to do decisions, to handle everything in a faraway country where God knows, you know, what could have happened. But, you know, God took care of us and we made it safely back home. Well, you know, we're here. But... Um, <laughs> To me, that was a lesson as a wife. It's like, like really, like how it says, like Sarah, when you think about Sarah, that woman followed Abraham everywhere to unknown lands. She was trusting. She didn't comment. She, she's like, okay, let's go. And then how it says, she called him Lord. You know, am I going to call you Lord? No, probably not. But <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> I trust you, you know. I, tr I trust them, and it's in a marriage, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> in a marriage, it's very important to trust your spouse in every situation, in finances, in raising up kids, in starting a family, and buying a home, and everything, because without trust, I don't know how this marriage would have functioned.
you got to trust who you're sleeping with next to the other side. So that's it. I'm oh, sorry. Okay, so even though it may have looked like I was confident, I was not <laughs> at all. So uh, real quick. So we were, we were heading to the bank. And in this black car, I was, we were in the back seat, and I just imagined like the scary movies out there, and uh, where with the uh, you know the with the uh, the locks, I imagined to be like knives or something, and he's gonna take us away. It was so, so when we get to when we get to the ETL, I'm like China, come with me, <laughs> come with me. <laughs> so no, God kept us safe. It was awesome. Um, one of the things that really um, verse seven really. Um, clings to me is my wife in her strengths and in her weaknesses. And um, two years ago, I know I know China shared the story with um, with the girls group that she um, hurt her back and and knocked her down so bad. And I would go to work and I would come home and it was during the summer, so she was fortunate enough to blessed enough to have the summer off from from teaching. And I would come home and I see her laying prostrate on the floor with worship music, but bowling. And I'm, 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 <laughs> um, I'm kind of making her a little bit vulnerable right now, but um, it got to me. It, it, um, it, um, it really stuck to me and it just, like my heart went out to her and there was nothing physically that I can do. And the best thing I can do was just pray and be there for her. And so... Um, seeing that and, sh and sharing my compassion over her as my wife and um, understanding that, um, that even though I don't understand the pain she's feeling, this physical pain she's feeling, and, it, and not just physical, but um, um, mental. And it's um, so, and I, I, I thank God and give him the glory for healing her and, and bring her to a place that where she can actually walk and stand upright and not have to hunch over. Um, and then I want to honor her and her strengths. Um, so a couple of, um, a few months back, we had a, making a long story very short, we had a terrible, um, sewage problem. Oh my gosh, we, we, our, our master bedroom was flooded and it was, it was an absolutely awful experience. Um, and we came at midnight from a friend's house, and, um, um, and we, we, we brand new home, and we come into the room, and we see this water and nastiness all over the floor. And I'm like, China, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> because there's something that God has given her that, that she can handle like, stress in the most uh, inopportune moments for me because I'm like, I'm just like, clueless, clueless. And she's like, well, clean it up. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, really, really there, uh, and I say that more because like there's, there's things in her that I could never, or I can only hope to have the same attributes as her, um, and and so I, I honor her in her strengths, and I honor in her in her weaknesses, and um, and that's how really verse verse seven really um, clings to me and sticks out to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is it on? No, no, it's not on. All right. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Chia and Lord John. Lord John. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you Lord for her, right? 
<laughs> All right. Yes. All right. Nancy's not allowed to come up here. Everything's great. Um, great. Right. Everything. Yeah. Amen. Everything. Is. <clears throat> come on. Lord, uh, love, pass on those favors. Just in case, because this thing's, all right, it's up. Just in case. Thank you, love. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, what a blessing, right? Just to hear from other people? I think so. I think it's a blessing. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a here, well, here it is. Here's the title for today. It's the submissive wife and the godly husband. I know I couldn't get any better than that. But that's the reality of it. It's the submissive wife and the godly husband. I hope you guys um, received as you were reading verses 1 through 7. You got the, the gif of what was being uh, said here in this passage. And, um, and, and, and you heard it. And we'll just read through it again and, and we'll go through these verses. But, but we, as we go through 1 Peter chapter 3, and I promise you, church, I promise you that we're almost there. Um, in my Bible, we're just one flip away and then we're going to jump into 2 Peter. So we're going to get through this letter. But there's no way I was going to be able to get past seven verses today. And in verse 1 and 2, I'm just going to read it again. It says this, as we continue in the flow of Peter's writing to the early church here um, in this area, which we know today is known as Turkey. And he's writing to them and he says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse... The if some refuse is talking about husbands. So then, even if some husbands refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. And they will be won over, so the husband will be won over by observing, and I love this, your pure and your reverent lives. Okay? Everyone there? Amen? Mm -hmm. You read these two verses. And we just spoke last week, uh, we spent some time finishing chapter 2. Um, and as we finished chapter 2, we spoke about living before others with what kind of conduct? With honorable conduct. That's, that, you, you have to remember this. This is not a new thing that Peter is talking about. This is a continuing thing that Peter is talking about. What, what I mean is, Chapter 3, verse 1, it's not a different paragraph. It's not a different book. It is the same thing. He's just expanding his thought. So he says, in the same way. So we're talking about having honorable or living in honorable conduct. We spoke about government. We spoke about authorities. We spoke about all these different things last week, which if you did not hear, you should go back and hear, especially if you have... Watch this. Especially if you have authority issues, submitting to authority. If you're here today and you're like, I don't have no issues submitting to authority, you're probably the one that has issues submitting to authority. You don't like when people tell you things, all right? You've been asked to do something a certain way and you don't do it. Your problem is you don't like to submit to authority, right? It starts from childhood. Our parents tell us something and we automatically just go against them. We don't like to submit to our authority and then that begins to play out in our relationship with God we read his word there's things that needs to be changed there's things that need to be worked on there's some mirrors that we got to stand in front of and work upon ourselves and yet we don't like what it's saying to us do we submit ourselves to the word of God you guys are with me 
So that is what Peter is saying. And in chapter 3, verse 1, look where he starts off. He begins with this phrase, in the same way. Say that, in the same way. Why would Peter start chapter 3, verse 1 with that phrase? Because this is requiring us, the reader, to look back at what was said earlier. Because he said something, said something, said something, and in the same way, I have some more things to say. So he's requiring us to look back and to consider it as it relates with his next thought that is being said. So verse 1 is an indicator that, oh, this is not something totally different. Peter is still on this trip, and his trip is submissiveness, like be submissive. He has not let go of this. You've ever spoken to someone, and they just continue and continue. I'm like, God, I got it. Just get over it already. But they just have to continue and continue and continue telling you the same thing. I'm just looking at you guys, right? I'm not looking around the room. My wife's sitting in the front row right to my right. But seriously, this is the same thing, the same thing. And you're just like, okay, I'll work on it. I'll do my best. And that's what Peter is doing with the church. He says, in the same way. So we have to go back. And, and, and it's a reminder to us, okay, this letter has been written. But when it was written, it wasn't written with chapter and verse breaks. We know that already. So chapter 3, yes, it is, as we read through these verses, a continuation to Peter's instruction to the church. And what is Peter's instruction to the church? To submit. Submit. How many of you great submitters are just like, yes, Amen. I don't have no problem. I just submit. I'm doing great. This is definitely not for me. All right, we'll just be blessed by it. We're just encouraging you today. So as we spoke, and just as we spoke about how we were to act in regards to government last week and as an employee to our employer, we see here in these verses how wives are now to relate to their husbands and that is to be submissive. You've heard every, you heard every single one of these couples as they came up here, the word submit was mentioned. Their submissive came out of their mouths. And he says, wives, in the same way, what does he say? Accept the authority of your husbands. There's a proper way of looking at this. Wives, in the same way, you accept the authority of your husbands. So for those that are married, Wives, these words, accept the authority of. As we've spoken about this last week, I, I like this because maybe you're not married, but you know what? You're going to get married in the future. You're thinking about getting married. Maybe you got a special someone you're with right now, like, oh, man, I wish I would have known. That. But what? hey, God wanted you here for a reason. And, 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 and he wants to say that, that and teach on some stuff here today. And he says, for wives, in the same way you accept the authority of, that, that, that means, as we learned, to subject yourself, to subordinate yourself to your husband. The, the, the point is that the, the wives are to do this in a Christian freedom. And, and I want you guys to understand this. It's not because you're forced, oh, I'm married, so now I have to always do what my husband says. No, that is weird. They do that in other countries and some religions. And a lot of men come over here and they think that that's the way it is. You just don't do stuff because your husband says. That's forced submission. You see, like I have a relationship even with, let's say, with me and God, right? I'm not forced to obey God. It should be what? A joy to obey God. 
When a wife has a godly husband, it is a joy for her to what? Be submissive and obedient to her husband as it is for us to be submissive and obedient to our husband. I'm not forced and you should not be forced ever in your relationship with the Lord. It is part of your freedom in Christ that I have now the ability to serve the Lord. I am married to my wife, and it's my freedom in my marriage now. I have things that I can do in my freedom of my marriage because there's freedom there that I can never do if I was not married. You see what I'm trying to say? And it's the same thing in our relationships with the Lord. And it's the same thing with my relationship with my wife. And it's, and it's wives, you're not forced to submit. It's not a religious edict that, you, hey, this is a force and you got to do this because now you're married. And sometimes we're given the wrong advice and the wrong counsel. It's the freedom that you're serving Christ. And what you do now, you do it with joy, you do it with gladness, and you submit. Why? Because it makes your marriage better. It makes your husband better. I've talked to wives, I've spoken to them, I just wish my husband would. And, I, and you just stare at them and you're like, but how are you doing? And, and sometimes maybe all that husband needs is that support from his wife or that submission for his, from his wife so that the marriage could be better, so that their husband could be better. It's not an eternal law. This is what you need to do, woman. It's not an eternal law. That's not what Peter's saying, not with that attitude. He's talking gently, wives. Gentle to your heart. And men, we're going to end with you in verse 7, so... But it's, it's not like, hey, but, but it's something that we could call maybe a context-specific counsel or a biblical counsel here is what Peter is teaching. That there's an order. How many of you know that there's an order to the Christian life? There's an order of things. There's an order of stuff. When we, when we come to the Lord, there's an order. There's a reverence. There's a respect. There's an honor. And we see that all throughout Scripture. And in the Christian life, there is an order. And yes, there are some situations in relationships that, that are different. The context of things are different in some marriages. But one commentary puts it this way, and I'm going to quote. This submission isn't a reward for the husband's good behavior, as the proper order of the home, God just commands it. It's not, oh, well, you know what? I'll respect him when, 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 when he begins to honor me. And it's just like, well, we have two wrongs. We're, we're not going to ever get a right with two wrongs. How about you just honor and respect and do what he needs and you never know. You will change his heart and maybe he will begin to what? Satisfy and meet those needs that are in your heart. But what you did was you took out a sword to fight with that sword and all it is, it's a bunch of clanging noise at home and it's just bickering and it's fighting. How many of us have come from a broken home? How many of us have maybe have experienced that on our own? And God's like, it's not like that with us. It's to be different. It's to be different. And, 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 and we got to love this and, and really recognize this. You know, some wives just want their husbands, oh, I want my husband to be this way. My, my, I've, we've shared here sometimes, uh, uh, actually many times, that Nancy likes to cool off sometimes and watch um, Hallmark, right? Is it Hallmark? Yeah, Hallmark. How many of you guys like to watch Hallmark? Okay, man, I love it. I sit next to her and I watch her. I love it. <laughs> and 20 minutes in, I'm snoring. <laughs> but they're good. But for me, my only problem is they're all the same. 
I know in the first five minutes, she's getting with him, they're getting together, that person's parent died, this one, and they're going to just, yeah, it's always the same story. <laughs> but I look at these couples on, on Hallmark, and like, this is really good. The scenery is really good. I love the colors, the way they talk, the, hus- the guy's perfect, the girl's perf- I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm like, it's good, it's nice, but it's not real. None of that is real. None of that. It's n- All right, we'll just stop there, right? <laughs> so some ladies are like, I just want my husband to be this way. I want, I want these things to change. I, I, I want them to seek God the way I do, or maybe a little bit more different. Or maybe it's an unbelieving husband, and they want them, I just want to come to the Lord. I want to come to church already. I, I feel bad just coming alone all the time. And if they don't do this, if they don't change, if they don't come to church, if they don't come to Christ, if they don't change, uh, there's going to be some changes in our marriage. And, then, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, you saw those signs before you said I do. So now you deal with them until you're old and gray. You can't just say, oh, my God, I tried for 15 years. I'm just done. No, you saw that on 15th day. So you go <laughs> through it on the 15th year. You see the signs already. So you have to figure out, like, am I going to love this person through it all? And sometimes the woman says, I just wish I could do all these things and change. And it's not this and, 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 and biblical scripture, the counsel here is, well, here's what we need to start with. Subject yourself to your husband. Let them see how you submit, listen to this, not forcefully, but you submit willingly because of the work that the Lord is doing in your very own life. And because God is doing a work in me, I will willingly submit to my husband. And if some of these husbands refuse to follow the Lord and obey his word, what does Peter say? Then let it be your godly life that speaks to them without any words how many of maybe you women maybe maybe it's the women that are not here today they speak more with their words than with your very own actions peter's like let your actions speak louder than your words can we all learn something there if we want to change the environment at our workplace where does it start with not your words change your actions if you want to change um, 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 the scenario with your family what do you do you change your actions You begin to change things. You know what? The way I'm acting, the way I'm reacting, it's definitely not bringing forth good fruit. It's definitely not giving me the end result that I want. So what must I do? I can't change them. I am responsible for what? Changing myself. I want every single one of you, if you're in any kind of friendship, relationship, under any kind of authority, and you're not liking it, it's 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 bothering you, and every day you're saying, I just wish he would change. I just wish she would change. I just wish they would change. The best thing that you can do is go home and see how is best that you can begin to change. Amen. And I get it. This may sound like too much. And as we speak about wives, it's it's to know that as a godly wife, you don't have to always preach to your husband with words. But that you're able to preach with the Christ-like beauty of your daily life. That your end goal would be as Peter instructs. That they would observe your pure and your reverent lives. Your 
honorable conduct and that they would what? Be won over. How many of us are fighting for maybe your husband to be won over? Man, forget about marriage. How many of you are fighting for someone to be won over already? And the reality is, well, what are you doing with your life to win them over? It's not just like, well, you know what? I'm giving you 10 things on this list. You need to do it. No, it's winning them over with your lives. And some wives haven't won over husbands, not necessarily because the husband hasn't given ear to what is being said to them, but it's because, they ha- because they've actually given eyes and they haven't seen a wife that lives what she is preaching or what she may be even asking of her husband. We must first live it in every aspect of our relationships. And women, you too. Amen. So let's be clear. Submission to authority. Very important that we know this. It is consistent with this equality and importance. What I mean by this is your dignity, your honor. You are just as equally important. So what I say is when I go into your home and you're married, the husband is not greater than you. You are equally important and play a vital role in that household. The household that says that the man is more important is a household that's already gone wrong. I am telling you in a household that I married me and my wife, I cannot say that I am more important than my wife. A household that we are in with me alone, I can't see it going forward. And I pray that she could come up here and say the same thing. A household with her just alone going forward, I I don't see how it could go forward. What is it? We are so important to each other for the dynamics of our household. In our home, we are equally of of importance. And that's how we treat each other and others. This deals with all aspects of relationships. We treat people with respect, with honor, with dignity, even if there's things in their lives that you disagree. You don't have to fight with everyone you disagree with. My goodness, whether their color is different, whether their belief is different, man, have dignity and honor and respect and know that nothing about you makes you any better. If it was not for Christ living in us, what would we be anyways? Amen? So we need to be clear on this. Jesus was what? He was subject to both his parents, to God himself. But did that make his parents more important than him? No way. Mary and Joseph are not, will not be ever more important than Jesus in a sense. But yet Jesus what? Subjected himself under him. Under them. I I want you to see that. Even to God, he would come up to God and pray to God. He would say, Lord, Father, I I know that you want me to go through this, but but Lord, if if, if if it's your will, go through it. But pass this cup from me. And he was like wrestling with the Father. Jesus understood submission, and he lived it as an example for us to follow. And of course, submission... In marriage, it follows the same principles as submission in other areas. We submit to God and His appointed authority. It's, It's our obligation, it's our responsibility before God to submit and honor Him. And to honor and submit to those that He's placed over our lives. The only time where I can never find myself submitting to anyone, it's when it's directing me to sin. If it's directing me outside of his word and to sin, I have to take a step back and say, no, i rather obey God than obey men. And we see that in the book of Acts with the apostles. When they said, I will not do that. It is better that you just kill me now 
And that is the reality of it. If it causes me to sin or cause an apostasy or blaspheme, I won't do it. It doesn't matter who your husband is or who your wife is. It does not matter if they're causing you to sin. That's where you say the line. We draw the line here. It stops here. We honor God with our lives. And the word of God is, is so pure. It's so amazing. Because like I said, you know, you read, we're going to read through this now. And whether you're married or not, you grab truths from this stuff. And you grow and you learn. And you apply it. You apply every single one. Whether you're married, about to be married, or whatever it is. Whatever your responsibility is. And let's listen and let's look at how, how it continues to be put as we read through this. We're going to start in verse 3. But I want, before we jump into verse 3. If you remember what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, I'm going to put it up here. But I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. It's in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 19 through uh, 23. And it's actually, it's the message, Eugene Peterson's, um, I wouldn't say translation, more of, more of a commentary slash translation. But look what he, how he puts this. He says, Paul writing this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, Look what Paul says, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Paul, who is an apostle, Paul, who we could all come in agreement and say was a great man of God, not perfect, had a lot of problems in his life, but just a great man of God. But yet he says, I myself have what? Voluntarily become what? A servant so that what? I could reach more people. I've learned to be a servant. It's the supernatural work of the Lord in me to what? To serve others, to win them for the kingdom. And he says this, whether it's religious or non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, Paul says, I didn't take on their way, I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I bolded this in my notes. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, because of the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. It was Paul's life lived out before others that preached a greater message than any words could ever preach. All of this was for the purpose to lead those that he met into a God-saved life. How many times here at our nest have we said this? Is your life worth following? How many times have we said that? Is your life worth following? Paul's like, my life is worth following because I've laid down my life to serve. And to serve all kinds of people in whatever walks of life they're in. Never strain from the truth of God's word. All for the sole fact that I would win you over. What does that look like in our friendships and our relationships? Husbands, wives, or future husbands and wives. Listen to me. What does that look like in your life? Think about that for a moment. Because Paul is really getting into some deep things there. Alright, let's get to verse 3. In verse 3... Peter goes on and he says this. I'm going to read 3, 4, and 5. He says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. He doesn't say don't do it. He just says don't be so concerned about it. You should clothe yourself 
instead with the beauty that comes from within. He says the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. And then verse 5, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Any ladies can say amen? All right. You're making me feel very confident right now. Verse 3, 4, and 5. Peter is not forbidding all adornment. So maybe you ladies got fixed up, you got dressed up, you did your hair all done did, you got your makeup. He's not saying, hey, forbid that, forsake adornment. No, don't misinterpret, don't twist what I'm trying to say. But as godly women, what he's saying is the emphasis is always, should always be inward adornment. In your life, it is more it is more important, right? The physical man we take care of, but we start first with the spiritual man. Hopefully our spiritual man is taken care of so that we could properly and healthy take care of the physical man. And this is what Peter is saying. He says, hey, the way you arrange the hair, according to one scholar, in this world that Peter lived in, women often arranged and dyed their hair. They, they also wore wigs during Peter's day and especially blonde wigs that was imported from other nations. And Peter had this in his mind. He knew what women were doing when he was speaking of this adornment that is merely outward. Peter did not forbid women of fixing their hair or wearing jewelry or from wearing fine apparel, but rather what he was saying is, let it be the hidden person of the heart. The NLT says that you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes within. Real beauty, everyone say real beauty. You should write that in your notes if you're taking notes. Real beauty comes from the hidden person of the heart you've ever met someone they're beautiful they're attractive you hang out with them five minutes later what do you do you throw up a little bit in your mouth (laughs) anyone you're like he wasn't what i thought she wasn't what i thought she had everything outwardly he had everything outwardly but my goodness was it a was it a drag i couldn't wait for to get out of the car i couldn't wait for the dinner to end all right come on Real beauty comes from the hidden person of the heart. It isn't something that you wear, prepare yourself before the mirror. You know, it's something that you are. Are you beautiful? Don't show me your body. I'm talking about your inward character. Are you beautiful? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see if someone's attractive or not. I was attracted to Nancy. And then I had to fall in love with the inner person. That's, that's how it is. That, that's what we do. Can you imagine? Like, be careful who you're with. Why? Don't just fall in love with the outward appearance. I love that Rudy came up here and says, what? It's going to fade away, man. It's going to get gray. It's going to get wrinkly. And it's going to get a little ugly at some point in their lives. It's going to get, it doesn't matter how much money they put into that bad boy. It's going to get there at some point. So what do you do? Fall in love with that inner person. Be attractive to them outwardly. Come on. We're not going to fake the funk here either. But the reality is what? That better not be the only thing that you're looking at. 
It's an inward beauty of the heart. Let it be that. It comes from within. The real question is this. You should know this, write this. The most important question that I could ask you today, maybe. Here it is. What do you depend on to make yourself beautiful? What do you depend on? What do you depend on? Seriously, you need to really put that question to account. And Peter's point is not that any of these things are forbidden, but that there should not be ever, there should not be a woman's adornment. It's the source of her true beauty is within. It's the unfading beauty of, what does he say? Notice what he says. He's not, listen again, don't twist it. Wear your makeup and, and amen, and, and do your hair and dress your nice, your nice apparel, amen. But this is what he's saying. It, what, what is beautiful is the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Come on, ladies. I feel like a DJ right now. You know, lady. <laughs> Do you have a quiet and gentle spirit? The inner beauty of a godly woman. I, you know what I love about these, this stuff? None of you could get mad at me. I'm just reading what Peter is saying. Like, I'm not coming back to that church. No, another church is going to preach the same verse. I'm just reading the verse. You still got to love me and come back. That's what I love about this. All right. The incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, the inner beauty of a godly woman is incorruptible. It means that it does not decay, as he was saying, does not get worse, especially with age. Instead, incorruptible beauty gets better with age. And it's much greater and has much greater value than the beauty that comes from hair and jewelry and clothing. You know what I need as Nancy gets older? I don't need her. I mean, I would. I, <laughs> she's going to stay focused. All right. <clears throat> Where was I? So, no, but. <laughs> All right. What I mean is, what I need from Nancy, and I hope what she needs from me as we grow older is, I need her wisdom as we grow old. I need her strength as we grow old. You see what I'm trying to say? We've already done this, so we might as well just really get better at this. Because at the end of the day, that little girl is going to need counsel from us one day. And we got to make sure that this is well inside. Because one day, dad needs to counsel her right. And mom needs to counsel her right. Right now, what matters to my son and my daughter, it's not that mom and dad look good. What matters to my daughter is that my mom and dad are good. Amen? That's what I was trying to say. I got the points back. Points back. A gentle and quiet spirit. It's very precious in the sight of God, Peter says. He describes the character of true beauty as gentle and quiet spirit. Some of you are like, but I'm Cuban. Ain't nothing gentle and quiet about me. It's not what it's talking about. It's not what it's talking about. It's a character trait. That it's not really um, too popular in our culture, but it's precious in the sight of God. 
or when we come to our relationship with our husbands, is there a gentle and quietness with it? You'd be loud and you'd be fun and you'd be crazy in all kinds of ways. It works in your marriage, amen. But I'm talking about in your relationship with your husband. Is there a quiet and gentle spirit? As believers, as followers, as Christians, we spend more time developing our inner character, amen? We attempt to make ourselves look beautiful, not necessarily on the outside, but we work within. And again, Scripture here is not condemning outward beauty at all, but it is emphasizing the importance of your character. That is what's of great importance. You could be as beautiful as you want, but if you have no character, your beauty doesn't mean jack. You've got to have a good character so that your beauty could have what? Could add weight to it. But it has to start with having a good character. Do we not see a familiar story? Saul, Samuel goes to anoint the next king of Israel. And who do they bring? They bring the strongest son. They bring the most athletic son. They bring the smartest of bookworm. They bring all the sons of Jesse. By appearance, by appearance, all the sons. And what does Samuel do? Oh, this one has to be it. the most muscular one, the tallest one comes. You called me. And he had his flask with oil, his ram's horn. He was about, that's the, that's the king of Israel for sure. He's going to take down Saul. I'm going to anoint his head. And God's like, you better put that beaker down. You better not put oil on that man's head. What does the Lord say in 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says, don't judge by his outward appearance, by his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see him. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want God to fix my knee. I need God to fix a couple things about me, my stomach and all that. But what I need God to always work on is never stop working on this man's heart. Never stop working on this man's heart. Verse 6. What does Peter continue to say? Re remember what we just read? Come on, we're going. Think about it, guys. It's 6 and 7. What was it to say in verse 7? All right, here we go. 3, 4, and 5. He says, right, you should clothe yourself. Da -da 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 -da, you know, with a gentle, quiet spirit. This is how the holy women of old made. Remember the holy women of old. The holy women of old. They put their trust in God. And they accepted their authority. So you know what Peter's doing. I'm going to talk about some old school women now, Peter is saying. And what he does is in verse 5, he goes on a tangent. And what does he do in verse 6? He goes, I know who I'm going to talk about. He says, therefore, here it is. Ready? For example, Sarah. <laughs> and everyone knew Sarah because like, that's Mother Sarah. You had Father Abraham who had many sons, and you had Sarah, and people knew Sarah. But Sarah, she obeyed her husband, Abraham, and she called him her master, or she called him Lord. And you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what may happen to you or what your husbands may do to you. You look at this verse like, whoa, what does this mean? I always mess around with Nancy all the time. Hey, at home, you got to start calling me Lord. Doesn't go good, husbands, don't do it. John already learned. <laughs> all right but peter here i love how the english standard describes these verses he describes sarah's submission in terms of obedience such obedience does not mean that the relationship between husbands and wives it's not like parents and children but it does show that a wife is to follow her husband's direction and leadership the wife should follow the husband's direction and leadership and in the culture of Sarah's day, 
Sarah expressed her submission by doing something specific, by respectfully referring to Abraham as Lord. Because she, Sarah, saw him as, if I honor you, I want you to see how deep Sarah's heart went. Okay? This is how deep Sarah's heart went. If I honor you, Abraham, I'm doing that work of a woman unto the Lord. So by honoring you, I honor the Lord. So my, 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 my submission and my, my falling under you, I take that as my worship unto the Lord because it's tied together. It's powerful. What I mean is that Sarah's relationship with her husband was an example with Sarah's relationship with her God. And she was demonstrating that with her life, with her husband Abraham. Who came up here and spoke about Sarah and Abraham? Was it John or was it Rudy and them? It was China? Think about that for a moment. It got to a point when Abraham said, hey, when we come into this town, you're my sister, right? She didn't even fight with him. She didn't even like, she didn't like, oh, you lost your mind. Yo, you've gone crazy. Like, like Abraham is he made some mistakes and he led his wife wrong and he did, he was going to deal with God. It got to a point where she was in the, in the room of the king and he was about to sleep with her and, and God had to tell the king, don't do it. That's not his sister. That's his wife. The next morning he drags her. He goes, are you crazy? Take her. She's your wife. Now you're like Abraham was about to, he was leading her wrong. But you look at that and like, oh my God, how stupid could Sarah have been? No, look at that. I trust my husband. He must have told me to do that for a reason. Thank God that God fought for her as well. Hallelujah. (laughs) That could have been disastrous for everyone there. But I want you to look at the heart of, of Sarah, how deep it went. Sarah was not worshiping Abraham. She was showing him respect as Abraham was leading her in the Lord. And sometimes, as we see in Scripture, I thank God that Scripture shows us mistakes of these forefathers, of these patriarchs like Abraham, because it gives us hope. It gives me hope, that's for sure. I've never tried to make Nancy look like my sister. I mean, I've called her my sister's name all the time. I get them all confused. But never. (laughs) I'm like, Anika, she never answers me. Anika, and I'm like, oh my God, her name is Nancy. Happens all the time. But never go into a room and say, here, you're my sister. That's dangerous. I'm going to try next time, see how she submits. No, I'm going to have fun in church, all right? Don't be so serious. Stretch, smile, it's good. You're going to go eat after this, have a good time. We're almost in verse 7, man. Take a deep breath. But Peter says, do not fear. He caused wives to model themselves after godly women like Sarah. Not fearing the harm that comes to them, but trusting God as Sarah did. Think about that. Abraham, if I'm obedient to this, this could cause a lot of harm. But she trusted. And she said, I'm still going to be obedient, trusting that God is going to show himself faithful. You know what God did? He protected everybody in that place. And Abraham was going to deal with his wrong. Not fear. Can I say something to, to everyone here? Because this is for everyone. But ladies, if you want to take this, women, wives, if you want to take this a little bit deeper, you could, you could own this. Not fear. My wife does not, never comes home and fears me. Because I'm never going to be that husband to my wife. If my wife fears me, fears me in the sense of like, fears me like, oh my God, I hope he doesn't, like I'm not going to strike her. 
I'm not going to get abusive. I'm not going to get verbally abusive. I don't think once in my life I've ever been verbally abusive to her. Often, obviously never physical. But I try not to say something that's going to, I'm sure I've said things that have hurt her self-esteem and all that, but I try not to. I'm very careful with my words because I know they have power over her. There's a gentleness to her. There's an aspect to her where we're going to read now. She's the weaker vessel, not because I'm stronger than her. She's a more delicate vessel because I have to treat her as a woman is deserved to be treated. I have work to do. I don't open the car door for her all the time. But every time I do do it, it surprises her and she loves it. So I try to tell her, I just save them. But she has her flowers consistently. Because those flowers mean something to her. They're stupid to me. I don't get them. They decay. It's a waste of money. For me, it's like it's not good budgeting. But if it means something to the wife, to that delicate person, you treat her the way a woman should be treated. Guys, there's a lot of wrong in me. Don't get me wrong. And she could come up here. And share that, but she won't. She loves me too much to do that. <laughs> but listen to this. No fear. Because true obedience and submission, as we've learned, will bring God's rewards. And that's the truth. Why do I submit in my life? Why do I live in obedience in my life under people, under certain things? Because I know at the end of the day, it's what God rewards. And it's the same thing in your lives. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's wrap this up in verse 7. <clears throat> and then go our way. Verse 7. <clears throat> Let's read it together. In the sa- not together like one, two, three, but follow me. It's a long verse. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. I'm going to get off the women for a little while. Husbands, you treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Everyone say live together. You saw who lives together? Husbands and wives live together. I mean, just take that for what it is. Husbands and wives live together. Now it's the cool thing. You know, everyone just lives together. I, I, we, we know people that say, I just want to live with them first to see if it'll work out. It's done. That you don't live first. I'm sorry, guys. I'm being too personal. If I'm, I'm affecting any of you, I love you. But that's not how you figure out whether someone's your spouse. You don't figure out if someone's your spouse by first testing the waters, by saying, let me see if I can live with them. You know why? How many years have we been married? 12? 13? We're still dealing with living together. (laughs) If it was based on living together, (laughs) did you do the same thing? Rurak, are you the same thing? Are you married people? Adrian, sure. If it was the same thing, if this wouldn't have worked, it's deeper than just living together. So if you're living together, figure out if that's going to be your husband or wife. Come talk to me. Let's get you married. Let's do it the right way. And then live together honorably for the Lord. Amen. Let's keep going. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And you treat her as you should. So your prayers, men, will not be hindered. 
I've noticed that when my wife and I are not well, my prayers are hindered, my life is hindered, my ministry is hindered. I don't know if any of you feel the same way. It's the heart of a godly husband. Husbands, likewise, you dwell with them, one translation says, with understanding. You give honor to the wife, to the weaker vessel, one translation says. I like that translation better. New King James says, weaker vessel and being heirs together. Me and Nancy, I am not her heir. Being heirs together of the grace of life that our prayers will never be hindered. A godly husband lives with his wife. I want to say this to you. He doesn't merely share a house. You know how many marriages... Husband and wives just share a house, but they don't really live together anymore. Come on, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. May your house never be one that you just, what, live and just share, I'm sorry, just share that house together. But that your house would be one that, what, you live together in it. I'll break that down if you want. He recognizes Paul's teachings in Ephesians 5. I don't have time. If I did, I would go to Ephesians 5. But Paul says things like this. Husbands. You are to love your own wives as your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So powerful. The godly husband understands that unity is important. Oneness is important between me and my wife. God has established that between us. So what? I need to make sure I focus and I pay attention to her. With what? What does the verse say? With understanding. A godly husband Today's message is titled, The Submissive Wife and the Godly Husband. A godly husband undertakes this important job of doing this, of understanding his wife. I have a role that I have to play in my marriage, and that is to understand my wife. Do I not have that same role with every single one of you? We're called to understand each other. But I have to understand her primarily by knowing her well, that I am able to demonstrate my love for her, and I could demonstrate my love for her more effectively. Do you understand each other so you could demonstrate your love for each other? Sometimes you have friendships. They're like, oh, I understand them. This is how they love. And, and, you've, and, you've, and you've learned to stay friends with that person because you've understood their love language. Just because it's different than you, it doesn't mean that they don't love you. Just because you're different than them, it doesn't mean that there's not love there. Come on, couples, relationships, friendships, how many of you just love different than other people that you love? And you're like, God, I show this kind of love, but I don't get it in return sometimes the same way because you just love different than the other person does. Nancy has a way of, of doing things, and I'm just like, oh, my God, just who cares? Don't do it. And she's like, well, I'm not like that, Rigo. I guess that's how you are. I'm like, I don't know. So I just don't get it. Think about how, how, how you do it. A godly husband, you, you know her well. <clears throat> that way you can love her more effectively. He has this understanding. God directs him to use it, to dwell and live with her with this understanding. He takes this understanding, and what do we do as husbands? We apply it daily, and we apply it daily, not to our lives. We apply it daily to our wives' life. I understand you. And this is where many men may have trouble following through. They may, they may have understanding about their wives, but they don't know how to use that understanding as they live with their wives. And that's important. You have understanding of your wife? Amen. How do you demonstrate that at your house? How do you show that at home when you're with people, with friends? In fact, do you treat her amazing when you're alone? And do you treat her like garbage when you're with your friends, vice versa, women, men as well? 
Think about all those things, all that is speaking here. And you give honor to each other. Husband, you give honor as a godly husband. You know how to make your wife feel honored. So you occasionally open the door. Today I'm going to do it, guys. She's not here. She's not here. She walked out for a moment. But today when we leave and all of you leave, I'm going to open the door for her, all right? But you know how to make your wife feel honored. I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're going to close up. But she submits to him. She submits to him. He takes care that she doesn't feel like she's just, okay, a roommate, an employee, or under some sort of tyrant. Your marriage should never feel like your spouse has become your roommate, like your spouse is a tyrant, or like if you're some sort of employee just doing what your spouse needs you to do. You give honor, amen? In giving honor to your wife, men, the word here, or the phrase here that is being used as the wife giving honor, it's a phrase to describe her, listen to this, I love this, as the feminine one. The feminine one. It suggests that the woman's feminine nature should push her husband to honor her more because she is my feminine heir to this kingdom. And that is the reality. Sometimes I could grab a friend, my very own son, in a ways that Nancy hates for me just to grab her. And I'm like, I'm just plain. But she's like, I'm just feminine. And that's not a touch that I desire. Your words, I'm just feminine. And those are not words that I desire. And we treat the weaker vessel and we honor them. It's a radical teaching. And I'm going to share this with you guys. In Peter's day when he lived, listen to this. This is so good. In the ancient culture, like Peter's day when he writes this, so cool. What is Peter doing? He's flipping the script. Watch this. A husband had absolute rights over his wife and the wife had no rights in the marriage. In the Roman world, if a, man was, if a man caught his wife in the act of adultery, he would kill her on the spot. But if a wife caught her husband, she was not allowed to do anything against him. All the duties and the obligations in marriage were always, in the ancient culture, put on the wife. Some marriages still live like that today. But what I love about this is that Peter's radical teaching, <laughs> radical, is shattering this way of living. It's shattering this way of marriage. And he's teaching that husbands, you're supposed to be God-ordained and have God-ordained duties and obligations towards your wife. I don't care what Rome has taught you. I don't care what your fathers and your father's fathers has done. You're called to lead her as Christ has done the church. And Peter is setting a new set of rules for the husband. No longer this dictatorship, manhood, machista husband in the household, but a husband who learns and loves to wash his wife's feet. I was able to do that for the first time this week.
because I wanted my wife to know that though I am the man of this house, I support you. I love you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you and I'm praying for you. And my family was able to do just that. And the kids got around to her and we prayed over Nancy. We washed her feet and we showed mom this week that you are so important, that you are so needed and you have so much worth in this house and in this family. And we, though you're the weaker vessel, you are strong. You are powerful and mighty at this place, in this home. And mom, wife, we just want you to know that we love you. I'm glad she's not here. I'll just, I'll start crying more, but we just want you to know that, that we love you. A godly husband recognizes that whatever limitations your wife may have physically, You don't expect anything more from her than what is appropriate, what is kind. Your heirs, you reign together. You realize that your spouse is not just your wife. I want you to know this. So your sister in the Lord. And part of their inheritance in the Lord is only realized in their oneness as husband and wife. My inheritance in God is also my oneness that I have with my wife. Husbands, that even though you've been given great authority within the marriage, your wife is still equal to you in spiritual privilege and in eternal importance, you both are joint heirs, amen? That your prayers, he says, will never be hindered, that you do this well. Treat that delicate, treat that weaker vessel, treat them well so that your prayers may not be hindered. How many of you read that like so many people do they automatically take that and say, you see, we need to start praying together more as a marriage. No, this is talking about the husbands. See, the failure to live as a godly husband has spiritual consequences. And it's going to show up and it's going to hinder your prayer life. Peter does not necessarily have in mind here that the prayers that the husband and the wives are to have together, though that's nothing bad. But he's addressing husbands in verse 7. And as he's addressing husbands in verse 7, only husbands, he is telling husbands something very important. He says, your prayers, and refers to the prayers of husbands in general. Your own life and your own prayers, that is of great importance. How do you pray for her? How do you, do you have a prayer life, men? Seriously. If you don't, get yourself a prayer life quick. How many of you are still looking for a spouse? Begin to pray. How many of you are in a relationship? Pray. And if there's one gift that you should get really good at, it's prayer. Pray and learn to pray well because you're going to need it for the rest of your marriage. Prayer. The fear of hindered prayer. Peter was writing this and you would think that he was writing this to motivate husbands and Christian husbands to love your wives, to care for your wives the way you should. And the reality is that many men and many Christian men have such a low regard and such a, they don't pay attention to prayer that I pray that verse 7 is a warning to us men in general and say, I need to pray more consistently for my wife, for my family, or just as men, just pray more. I'm going to end with this quote from Charles Spurgeon. In 
And he says this, Indeed, to true believers, prayers is so invaluable that the danger of hindering it is used by Peter as a motive why in their marriage, relationships, and household concerns they should behave themselves with great wisdom. He bids the husband to dwell, to live, right, with his wife according to knowledge and render loving honor to her lest their united prayer should be hindered. Anything which hinders prayer must be wrong. If any management of the family or want of management is injuring our power in prayer, there is an urgent demand for an alteration. What is stopping, blocking, stunting your prayer in the life that you're living? Can you stand with me on this beautiful Sunday today? I want you to close your eyes there. We're going to wrap this up. But this is what I want to pray. I want to just come before his presence as we close here. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies that were shared. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the word. But Lord, I want to pray for every single person in this room, whether they're single, longing for a spouse, whether they're in a relationship, hoping to one day get married, whether they're married, I want to continue to fight for their marriage. I pray that we would see the importance of what it means to be a submissive wife and a godly husband and that we would never stray from that. But that, Lord, we would really not necessarily always, always listen to the counsel of those that have lived before us, but that we would look into the counsel of Scripture and see what your heart is towards us and our relationships. I want to pray a specific prayer if there's anyone that will watch this, is watching this, or is here today, and their marriage is struggling, their marriage is going through pain. I just want to pray for them right now. Can you join me? Lord, I pray that you would strengthen that marriage. I pray that you would give them hope. I pray that each one would recognize what it is that they need to stop doing or need to start doing. That you would strengthen them as husband and as wife. That you would bless them and shower them with your glory, with your grace. That they would learn to love one another, serve each other. Lord, I pray that you would deal with their selfishness because we could be so selfish that our marriage becomes all about me but that, Lord, we could actually see, you know what, my wife is trying, my husband's trying, let me lift them up, let me, let me encourage, let me serve them, let me do better, let me do well. Lord, bless that marriage, pour your grace over them, let them not give up, let them not throw in the towel, let them know that the greatest thing that they could do right now is fight for that unity, fight for that oneness, fight for each other not with each other and become the image of Christ in the church that they would do it well survive and be healthy and that they Lord God that you would place them back on their feet on solid ground on the rock which is you Christ Jesus Lord if there's anyone in this room bless them bless every relationship bless every friendship 
Bless those that are waiting. Bless those that are in it. Bless those that long for it. That you would touch our hearts. That we would recognize that even in this scripture, it's deep. It could even mean so much more than in our marriage. Lord, our relationship with each other, our relationship importantly with you. That you would bring growth and that every single person in here would become the obedient, submissive, Lord, honorable, that we would be spotless and beautiful without blemish, quiet and gentle bride of Christ before our Lord, and that we would live it out well on this earth. Lord, I strengthen every single person. If there's someone in here that is hurt because they long, let them know, Lord God, that you are with them, that you see their pain. If there's someone here that's single that needs a special prayer over them, we pray grace, pray grace and blessing over every single person watching, every single person that's here, that you would bless them, that you would cover them, that you would give them boldness and encouragement, that they know today they're not alone, that they don't have to be lonely. That Lord God, that you know their desires. That Lord God, that you would function and that you would do well in your time. That you would bring all kinds of healing. All kinds of restoration. And Lord, that you would do all kinds of miracles in our lives and in their lives. And bless us all. The ones that are maybe going to be married soon. Bless us. Let us recognize the work and let us be humble. And Lord, let us be obedient, submissive. Let us be honorable in all of our conduct. Let all that we do and who we are, as we've read through these verses as well today, let it bring great honor to your name and for your kingdom. So we love you and we thank you for your word, for its truth, and for it being a sharpened sword that cuts the deepest parts of my lives to bring forth greater growth in me. We honor you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Come on, give him the greatest praise. For your beloved is worthy of all of it. God is good. Come on, all the time. Come on, give him praise one more time. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it.